It's Thursday, August 15th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into the growing lead crisis in Newark, New Jersey. We'll connect the dots on why lead in the water is such a health problem and how officials are responding. Then, the Israeli government is barring two U.S. members of Congress from entering the country. We'll tell you why. And finally, we say ahoy to teen climate activist Greta Thunberg. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about lead in drinking water. If you thought America was past this after the Flint, Michigan scandal five years ago, think again. Lead is back in the news amid an ongoing water crisis in Newark, New Jersey, the largest city in the state. Thousands of people are being encouraged to drink bottled water instead of tap, and officials in New Jersey are under fire for it. We're going to take a look at why lead in water is such a health risk, what's been going on in Newark specifically, and how officials are responding. First things first, what is lead? Lead is a kind of metal, a naturally occurring element found in the Earth's crust. In the past, it's been commonly used in things like home pipes and faucets. It used to also be in paint. But in the 1980s, the U.S. began heavily regulating how much lead people could be exposed to. Because lead is toxic. The World Health Organization says that there's really no safe level of lead for humans. And certain people are especially at risk, like infants, pregnant women, and kids. The risks to kids are a big deal. Lead exposure can lead to behavioral and learning problems, lower IQ, and slower growth. A 30-year study in New Zealand found that exposure to lead during childhood can damage cognitive function well into adulthood. So how does lead become a health problem? One of the big ways people are exposed to lead is through drinking water. In 1986, Congress banned pipes that contained a significant amount of lead, but replacing them can take a long time, and it's expensive. In the meantime, though, some cities are putting a Band-Aid on the problem by pumping chemicals into the water supply. The idea is that they'll coat the pipes to prevent lead from getting into drinking water. So what's been happening with lead in Newark, New Jersey? The story goes back years. In 2016, a regularly scheduled test of drinking fountains in Newark public schools found elevated levels of lead. Newark schools responded by shutting off the water fountains and handing out bottled water instead. But the problem went beyond the schools. It had to do with the water pipes that brought water right to neighborhoods and into people's homes. Newark, like much of America, has old lead pipes that need to be replaced. Some of them date back to the 1880s. So looking for a quick fix, Newark started handing out close to 40,000 water filters last year to stop lead from entering people's drinking water. And this year, it started replacing hundreds of the 15,000 lead pipes thought to be responsible for the problem. This spring, it even got around to pumping those Band-Aid quick-fix chemicals into the water supply. And things seemed to be on the right track. Until the Environmental Protection Agency sent a letter to Newark last week saying those water filters passed out a year ago may not be working as planned. And the EPA ominously warned that it couldn't guarantee if people in the city were safe. So how are officials responding? The EPA suggested Newark should start passing out bottled water to people, not just in schools, 
but to lots of people in the city until they can figure out whether the filters actually work or not. So they started to do that. But bad news, even that's not going well. People in New York were forced to wait in long lines to pick up the bottles this week. And some of the water being passed out was expired. New Jersey officials say the EPA will help the state figure out just how widespread the problem in Newark is. And Governor Phil Murphy wants the federal government to do even more. We need the federal government also to to be the main actor in the long-term fix in America, not just in Newark or New Jersey, uh, in terms of replacing and having a water infrastructure uh, renaissance. Lead has been showing up in drinking water all over. In cities and towns in South Carolina to Tennessee, Utah, and Pennsylvania. This summer, almost 20% of more than 6,000 California schools that tested for it found detectable levels of lead in drinking fountains. Schools often test for lead because of its severe effects on children. But many schools aren't even forced to do this. So it's hard to get a complete picture of the problem. And depending on where you live, the long-term expensive solution of digging up and replacing lead pipes can often fall on the shoulders of homeowners, who can't always afford to do that. So what's the skim? Newark's lead crisis is grabbing a lot of headlines, just like in Flint, Michigan, five years ago. In that case, there were all kinds of things wrong with the water there. But the way lead got in Flint's water was a little different. And bad lead pipes are also a national problem. There's an estimated 6 million service lines containing lead across the country. Overall, the American Society of Civil Engineers recently gave the U.S. a D grade for the status of America's drinking water. According to the report, at the current rate, fixing the nation's drinking water could take 200 years, cost billions of dollars, and require a lot of effort all across the country. Coming up, why Israel might be rolling up the welcome mat for two U.S. members of Congress. That's next. The Skim HQ hopes that your out-of-office reply has been on as much as possible this summer. But we hope that you're not only using that downtime to catch some sun. We want you to make the most of your downtime by using it to improve your financial health. Together with our friends at Fidelity, we've created guides that will help you say aloha to better money habits and chow to bad money moves. Things like how to build your safety net, how to get better at budgeting, and the one-on-one on saving for a vacation. To get all that and much more, head on over to theskim.com slash summer. That's the skim with two ms.com slash summer. Today, Israel said it's banning two U.S. Congresswomen from entering the country. So let's back up. The two Democratic Congresswomen are Representatives Rashida Tlaib from Michigan and Ilhan Omar from Minnesota. In the past, they both criticized Israel's policies toward Palestinians. And this weekend, they were planning a trip to Israel to meet with a Palestinian lawmaker. As part of the trip, the two were planning to tour East Jerusalem, which Palestinians see as part of their future state. They were also supposed to visit the occupied West Bank, where Tlaib's family is from. But for weeks, the Israeli government debated whether to let them in or put a do-not-enter sign at its airport. Here's why. You might remember that Omar was forced to apologize for controversial tweets that many saw as including anti-Semitic tropes. In one, she suggested one reason American politicians defend Israel was because of, quote, Benjamins, a.k.a. money. But there's another element at play here. Both congresswomen have supported the pro-Palestinian BDS movement, which stands for Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions. 
The goal of the movement is to pressure Israel into ending the occupation of the West Bank. But some in the U.S. and Israel accuse the movement's leaders of anti-Semitism. And a few years ago, Israel passed a law that allows the government to bar people who support BDS from entering the country. But some in Israel and abroad saw the law as an attack on democratic norms. Israel has applied this law to other people in the past, but this was the first time Israel had to choose whether it would apply to U.S. members of Congress. Last month, Israel's ambassador said, don't worry, we won't. But today, President Trump stepped in. He tweeted that Israel should bar Tlaib and Omar from entering the country. He said it would, quote, show great weakness if Israel let them in and accused the two congresswomen of hating, quote, Israel and all Jewish people. This isn't the first time that Trump attacked these congresswomen. Last month, he seemed to imply that they should, quote, go back to their countries, even though both are U.S. citizens. So today, Israel's interior ministry and the country's foreign minister said, decision made, that when the two members of Congress land in Israel on Sunday, they'll be barred from entering. Omar responded by calling the government's move an insult to democratic values and comparing it to the Trump administration's travel ban against several Muslim-majority countries. So what does this mean for U.S.-Israel relations? The U.S. and Israel have long been allies, but if Israel goes through with this, it'll mark the first time it's barred representatives of the U.S. government from entering the country. It's also coming at a sensitive time for Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He's in the middle of an election campaign after his parliament dissolved back in May. Netanyahu enjoys close ties with President Trump, but also wants to continue the close relationship between Israel and members of the Democratic Party. And this move could threaten that. Today marks 50 years since the Woodstock Music Festival. The Grateful Dead, Santana, The Who, Janis Joplin. And of course, Jimi Hendrix. Over three days, an estimated 400 to 500,000 people rocked out on a huge dairy farm in upstate New York. In some ways, Woodstock was kind of a mess. Torrential rain turned grassy fields into mud and sometimes flooded the stage. The Grateful Dead's guitarist Bob Weir reportedly got an electric shock when he grabbed his mic, knocking him back several feet. But to some attendees, despite the mud, the crowds, and the lack of food and water, it was all worth it. Here's attendee Kevin Reedon, recounting his Woodstock experience to the AP earlier this year. Here I was, this 18-year-old freak, you know, not knowing where I was or who I was in my life, but feeling totally connected to everybody that was there. This year, there was supposed to be a big Woodstock 50th anniversary festival, but it got canceled due to logistical problems and a lot of drama, to say the least. But if you're still feeling nostalgic, a 38-CD box set featuring every Woodstock performance in chronological order was just released this month. But according to the website, it's already sold out. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. More specifically, wherever 16-year-old climate activist Greta Thunberg is right now. 
She's on her way to join world leaders and speak at the United Nations Climate Action Summit in New York next month. But Thunberg refuses to fly, ever, because flying releases a bunch of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. So instead, Team Milizia, a professional sailing team, offered to take Thunberg on their high-speed, zero-carbon sailboat across the Atlantic. They set sail yesterday, and the trip will take about two weeks. And you can follow their journey online. The boat, called the Milizia 2, essentially has a Greta tracker. It shows the boat's location, speed, and distance from New York in real time. Right now, she's off the coast of France. So, Greta and team, bon voyage. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and be sure to hit subscribe. We'd also love for you to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. For more Skim, sign up for our free morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 